guys sound awesome. Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome. Thank you, singers, for being so awesome all the time. What would I do without CS? They deserve way more applause. All right. We're going to start our, our new series. Maybe you saw I posted this on uh, Facebook. We're going to start a new series called Expand Church. And it's this idea of, um, you know, it's gonna, some of this is going to actually be just like a, a, like a potpourri of a lot of things that we've already talked about over the two years that, I, that we've been here. And, and in fact, these first three sermons are almost like carbon copies of sermons you've already heard. But I wanted to come back to these three sermons so that the, what we do after these three, like we're, we're all on the same page. And what's really awesome, guys, is that two years ago, there were people that are sitting in this room now that weren't sitting in this room two years ago. Like, that's good. It's good if you, like, reuse a sermon from two years ago and there's people that are like, oh, I wasn't here, I'm new. Like, that's amazing. And so, uh, I feel no guilt about, like, reusing old sermons. <laughs> so, here we go. We're going to start with these three sermons. And the first one is today's sermon. And so, we're going to do church's family, church's kingdom, and church's mission. You might remember these. Maybe you got the notes. If you were here when we did it and you got the notes, just pull your notes up. And be like, oh, yeah, this is uh, what he did two years ago. But the idea is, the, the word church has come to mean so much. And it carries a lot of baggage. And sometimes that baggage is not good. And so how can we kind of like reorient our thinking, reshift our, our understanding of church to something that's like healthy, something that's, that's good, it's right. And then we can move forward in that understanding of church. So to me, this is the big three. If you ask me, like, well, what is church? It's this. Church is family, and there's a lot involved in that. Church is kingdom, and there's a whole lot involved in that. Next week, Jen and I are going to be in Detroit, but Chad and Kate Taylor are going to be here, and Chad is going to preach on church's kingdom. And then uh, the last of the first three is church is mission. And that's where it's going to be, you know, the, the outward focus part of church. And now, if you're like me, if you're like a lot of people I know, you're maybe more inclined to feel one of these than the other two. Or maybe two of them are good and one of them you just don't like. But more often than not, and what you'll find in churches where like-minded people come together to worship, they all tend to have the same focus of one of these three. So part of what we're doing is trying to like help, you know, introduce some balance. If you are more on one side of this triangle than another, I want to like help call you to the other, back to the middle of this, this thing. And so for instance, what does that look like? Well, church's family, I think we, we get that. There's part of us that's like, yeah, when you come to church, you want to feel like you like the people there and there's not a lot of problems and everybody's cool with each other and we have a good time. And, you know, maybe I'm in a, a little small group where we talk about things and we go to like a Super Bowl party and we hang out. And, like, that's family. But man, as soon as someone, as soon as like the lordship side, the kingdom side, where someone's like, 
you know, confronts me on maybe sin I have in my life, then I'm like, no, 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 no. I like church's family. I don't really like church's kingdom. Or let's flip this all the way around and let's say that there's a church who's much more like geared towards church is mission. Like, hey, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that is true. And we're going to talk about that. But if the church is solely focused on that, to the detriment of lordship and to the detriment of family, bad things start to happen. So we need to make sure that we understand all these things and put them in their proper places. And we need to avoid what I like to call the Sunday morning meeting, which is where we can just like reduce church down to the lowest common denominator. Family is hard. And you might not think it's hard. It's really hard. We're going to talk about how hard it is today. Family is hard. Kingdom is hard because that's lordship. Jesus is Lord. I'm a slave. Like Jesus is my master. That's not fun. Mission is hard because I don't like, you know, trying to reach out to people that have nothing to do with me. And so we kind of take the edges off of that triangle and we turn it into church is the Sunday morning meeting. And we could literally just define it as this. Like church is this time. On this day, we come to this place, we sing songs, we pray, and then we leave. And that's what I don't want. I don't think you want that. But as soon as I try to challenge it, you're like, well, but I've gotten used to it. Like, that feels good. And so we need to kind of break that out. And so that's what we're going to do. So today is church is family. And we are... um, you know, like I said, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to hear almost anything new today. Like, you're going to hear everything that I've, I've already been saying over the last two years. But I want to start in the book of Hebrews, and I want to look at one of my favorite verses about church is family. And so in Hebrews chapter 2, oh, that just went, jumped right ahead. I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> All right, we're going to figure this out. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2. Starting in verse 10, this is what the Hebrew writer says. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are, being, who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And I just love this. There are lots of verses in the Bible that talk about family. And there are so many that some of them we don't even like, they just wash over us. But I love this because it it reinforces multiple times, like this is God's plan for church. And I'm going to say this at the end, But I want to introduce this idea. Like, the the idea of church is family is not something that we have to engineer or manufacture. Because it was made that way. Like, church is just the name for the thing that God designed as his family. And yet we have, I'm just going to be honest, I feel like we have gotten so far away from church's family... That to go back to church's family as the original plan almost seems foreign. Almost seems like we have to build something from the ground up. It's already been built. God built the church as family. And yet, 
We get in the way. We mess it up all the time. So I have this quote from Bishop Desmond Tutu, who recently just passed away. And if you don't know who Bishop Desmond Tutu is, he's, he's an amazing dude. But he, like, in South Africa, during the, the era of apartheid, like, he fought against that. And one of his guiding principles was, like, we are human beings, children of God. Like, we're not supposed to be treating each other this way. And then afterwards, he actually got involved in the, um, like, the Truth and Reconciliation Project, which was where people who had been devastated by apartheid, were invited to come in before a commission and talk about what happened to them. And there's, you know, it's all public. You can find it online. It's it's all public. But it's just like horrible things. Horrible things. Where they were like, yeah, I couldn't get my ID, and so I was here, but then a protest broke out, and then the soldiers just like shot into the crowd indiscriminately, and I was shot, and my husband died. And, you know, just atrocities. And he invited people to come and, like, talk and, and, and work that stuff out. And so, like, how... And so he's dealing with South Africa after a time of basically civil war. Not, not civil war the way we think of it, but, like, under apartheid, it was super segregated and, and separated. And, and then now they're, now they're a nation and they're trying to be unified. And how do we do that? And he's like, well, we've got to be able to talk it out. But this needs to be a guiding principle that, that we're family because we're all humans. And guys, I'm just going to be totally honest. This country, in the last two years, it literally feels like there has been a civil war. And it is so easy to ignore the humanity of each other. And the the, the fact that, oh, we're family in God's eyes. Even in churches, we have like declared war on others you know, the other side of any issue that we have decided we're going to die on. And so, we're going to move forward trying to figure out how do, we, how do we as American Christians relearn family? And it's not going to be any easier than it was in the aftermath of actual civil wars around the world. So, here's my, here's my first point, if you want to call it a point. Uh, I've talked about this. You guys have heard me talk about this. It's honestly like, it's, it's, part, it's almost part of my flag that I carry around. Like, like, we broke Christianity by making it completely individualistic. And when we read the Bible, we have to, like, transplant ourselves to another culture in another time and put ourselves in other people that aren't like us. And so when we read the Bible, we're reading a book or letters or documents that were written by collectivist-minded people. And they were written to collectivist-minded people in a fully collectivist culture, and we're none of those things. We are not. We read it as individuals. We read it as if the guy that wrote it is an individualist who's writing it to us personally. And we're reading it in an individualist culture. So when we read verses about the church, we think the Sunday morning meeting. And there's been ministers after ministers and and churches after churches that have tried to like figure out what does the Bible tell us church should look like. And the Bible does not, like almost none of the New Testament deals with this. Almost none of the New Testament tells us how to have an awesome service. Most of the New Testament tells us what to do away from here. 
How do we navigate that? So here's my favorite example that I use all the time in 1 Corinthians 3.16. This is the old NIV. I love the NIV version, but this is like the old one, like the 84 one, where it says, and this is most English translations, like the King James still talks this way. Don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And I read that and I go, don't, don't Ben, don't you know, don't, doesn't Ben know that I am God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in me? And we've used that verse to say like, don't smoke because your body's a temple. Eat healthy. Your body's a temple. Like you should, you know, you should be good to your, your body because you're a temple and God's spirit dwells in you. Now, does God's spirit dwell in you? Yes, but that's not what this verse is saying. And the new NIV, the, all, the translators realize, like, we, we forgot to, to let people know that when you read the word you in the New Testament, most of the time, it's a plural you. And so Paul isn't talking to you like you. He's talking to you like y'all, like everybody here. You guys are the church, are the temple. And so the new NIV updates it. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? God's spirit dwells here, not just here. And so there's a lot of verses that we have taken to mean very individualistically, like I need to be righteous, I need to be holy, I need to be pure, I need to be these things, when the, the verses are actually talking about the way we conduct church as a group of people. And how can we navigate that? Literally, the very next verse says that. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Just an FYI, I didn't put it on the screen. That dot, dot, dot is like, you know, is talking about how God will destroy people that hurt his temple. But it's just reinforcing. Like, we want to think that when I read the Bible, like, God's talking to me. And we completely push out the fact that God is talking to us. And so one of those things is language. I don't know if you remember me doing this. Here's two English words, car and family. And if I were to ask you to list off all the synonyms and other words that, when, that we use instead of car, you could probably list a bunch. And here's a short list, but there's way more than this. Like when I, I want to say car, but I want to like switch it up and I want to be more specific with what I mean when I say car. So I might say like convertible or sedan or SUV or, and there's way more than this. But in the English, we don't have a lot of synonyms for family. Like your kin, <laughs> your kinfolk, <laughs> like your people, like, you know, and we can list like the specific parts of our family. But if I'm talking about family, like we, we, we lack, our language lacks for breadth and depth when it comes to how to describe family. But the Bible does not. And so here are, here's some things that you will find in the Bible. And sometimes uh, these actually are, you know, then translated in some instances as family. But here's like what the Bible says the church is supposed to be like. And there's these common, common, you know, synonyms for family in different ways. So yeah, like a household is maybe different than a brotherhood, or it might be different than people of the same father, but that's what he's saying. Actually, that Hebrew scripture, when it says they're of the same family, what, they, what it literally says there is they have the same father. And I love that. 
And so in the book that I highly recommend, which is a really good book, it's, it's called Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes. It has this quote, and it uses this example. It says, this is not merely a matter of vocabulary, but of values. The words we use are a good indication of what we consider important. And you could make the case that in American culture, cars are more important than family. To our detriment. To our shame. And so, church is family. Church is family when it feels like it. Church is family when it doesn't feel like it. Church was family before we came around. Church is going to be family way after we're all dead and gone. Because God made it that way. And so if we are asking ourselves, does, does church feel more like family? We need to be better at family. I think we need to be better at church. Because church is family. And you might be like, that sounds great, Ben. Sign me up. And then you got to get ready for dysfunction. Because all families have dysfunction. I love, there's a, there's a great a, a book and a, a speech and a sermon, you can find it on, on YouTube, of Francis Chan talking about how messed up the churches in the Bible are. And it's almost like this. Paul, in all of his letters, he has one overarching message. Like, what's the matter with you people? Like, you're insane. You're crazy. And I want to read one of them. This is one of my favorite. So if I were to say, like, hey guys, what, what is, um, if I say the book of Galatians, like, is there something that comes to mind? A lot of us, fruit of the Spirit. Maybe if you're more, like, hardline, you're like the sin list in Galatians 5.19. <laughs> but yes, the fruit of the Spirit, and we think about life in the Spirit versus life according to the flesh, and, and that's great. But, but that amazing teaching comes after Paul just losing it on these people. So here's what he says in, in Galatians 4:19. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. He starts by just like laying into this church. Like what's wrong with you? I taught you this one thing about how awesome Jesus is, and then these other people come in, and they give you a new teaching, and you just follow them blindly. And I love, he literally, and this is in the Greek, he literally is like, I feel like I delivered you, like a mother delivers a child, and now I'm in labor pains again because you're like less, like you're, you're less mature than you, you were, than you were. Like, it's like I'm, I'm in labor pains all over, and I have to give birth to you again. And I am perplexed about you. And so this is a common recurring thing. Like, just, if you haven't found dysfunction in the the first century family, you just haven't been reading your Bible. Like, it's everywhere. And yet, we want to think, well, maybe the goal was that they were messy at first, but then as the church, the church universal, grows up, it should have less and less mess. And that's, you know, maybe you think that. I don't think that that's the case, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And so, here's my, my one takeaway. Every single family has dysfunction. Are any of you part of a family that has no dysfunction at all? I, I think about my family. I love my family to death. They are full of dysfunction. 
And obviously not the people that are watching me online right now, because they're awesome. But like, I'm full of dysfunction. And maybe you're like, yeah, maybe in my family, I'm the crazy one. (laughs) And that might be true. But every family has dysfunction. We want to think that like, and, and this is true. Honestly, this is true. If we shut the doors, no new people are allowed in. All we're going to devote our time and energy to is to make this group of people run more smoothly. And if you can't run smoothly, just leave. Kick, kick them out, like leave. We're, we're going to figure out how to like make it so there's no more mess. Like remember I literally had an entire sermon series about mess? <laughs> and church is messy. It's supposed to be messy. And so we can't ever think that we're just going to like grow out of it. In fact, the goal would be that we're, we're so good at dealing with dysfunction that we're inviting even more dysfunctional people in. Like, you've got mess, this is the place you need to be. And you're going to see all our mess, and we're going to be messy together. But it's going to be awesome. So church is family, but every family has dysfunction. And so that leads me to probably the least fun of all of these. And that is the work of the family. What is the work of the family? Well, just think about your family. Have you ever, like, been at a family gathering where people, like, don't agree on something and you have to, like, navigate that? Have you ever been at a family gathering where someone is just not acting right and you have to, like, deal with that as a family? There's times where you want to disown your family, And maybe there's times where they want to disown you. But as a family, they're like, no, we got to work this out. We're going to do the work of the family. And so I want us to to ask ourselves a very important question, okay? Well, before I I ask that question, I I want you to think about this. Not only is church messy, but that mess can be beautiful. Like there's a way to to marvel at the messiness of church. So that when we see it, we step back and we go like, yeah, this group of people is just, is just crazy. And we're, we don't know what we're doing, but I love it. And I can, I can embrace that. We've talked about uh, being a, a, an actually, not just a diverse church, but a multicultural church. Cultures in terms of ethnicities and countries, but also generations socioeconomic statuses, uh, ideologies, politics. Like, man, people want to be a, div- be a part of a diverse church. But what I found is that people don't actually want to be part of a truly multicultural family of God. Because it is really hard. It is full of conflict. The church, and actually I think Chad is going to talk about this next week. Actually, part of God's plan for the church is that we'll be soaked in conflict till the day we die. And the church will be that place. Church is that tension between the, the kingdom of sin and death and the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God. And that overlap, because we're still in the kingdom of sin and death, right? But we belong to the kingdom of God. And so we are in this little sliver of the universe where it's literally full of tension all the time. And so here's a question I want you guys to ask. What makes you feel like family? What is it inside of you that when these conditions are met, you're like, oh, I belong. Like, these are my people. This 
now I feel like we're all of the same father. Like now I feel like we belong to the same household. What is it that makes you feel like family? And I'm going to ask you to think of like three things. And I'm going to share my three things, okay? What is it that makes you feel like family? Write them down. And if you, if you can't even think of them now, like, you know, listen to mine, ask other people, and then write them down later. But this is really important. This is part of what I call the work of the family. What makes you feel like family? So if I had to, if I had to like, clarify what my three things are, my three things are time, time with people, not quality time, just time. We don't have to be doing anything special, just quantity time. Uh, communication, like when we have open lines of communication. And then forgiveness, because I'm a mess. And when, I, when people forgive me, I feel like they love me and we're part of the same family. And so here are some verses that kind of guide me in that mindset. In Mark 3, when Jesus was calling his disciples, one of his, one of his goals of discipling his people was literally that they would just spend time together. Like, I'm picking the guys that are just going to spend time with me. And that was not, that was not uh, you know, like his discipling, his disciple, rabbinical discipling was not like a class. It was like a life. Like, you're going to come live with me and we're going to walk together. And so there are people that I feel like, man, they, they walk with me. They're my people. Now, I can't show favoritism and only greet my people. Jesus literally says those exact same words. But these are the people that, man, when I'm with, like, I don't feel like I'm working. I feel like I'm loving and being loved and we're family. And we need that. You, you need that in your life. People who you can spend time with. Uh, here's a funny proverb about communication. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word? No, this is, these are not verses that I'm trying to like, command you or teach you something. I'm just sharing the verses that I really draw from when I think about this. Like, man, when, and I'm not, I, I'm, on, I'm not that great at this all the time either, guys. But I feel like we've gotten worse at this with the modern, always accessible cell phone text message. Like, there's times where, and, and if I'm the only person in this room that has done this, like, you're allowed to laugh at me. But my guess is that a lot of us do this. Someone sends me a text message, and I look at it, and I read it, and in my mind, I reply to them, and then I put my phone down and don't reply to them. And then it's in the background like, oh, dang, I need to reply to them. And when those things start to stack up, you want to start replying to none of them. And you get overwhelmed. But man, when you, when you, like, when you put something out there and someone like, engages with communication with you, it makes me feel like family. And then the last one is forgiveness. You know, there's a story where Jesus... Uh, when, when he's being anointed at Bethany and the woman is pouring you know, oil, perfume on his feet. And this is only in the Luke version where he takes a break to talk about 
this, these two debts, and there's a debt that can't be paid, and the, then the guy forgiven. He's like 500 denarii and 50 denarii, and they're both forgiven. And he says, which one loved the, the master more? And the guy says, the one with the more debt. And he's like, exactly, because there's a truth involved. If you, if you have been forgiven a lot, you love a lot. But if you've been forgiven a little, you love a little. And here's my, here's my, my feeling about this. Especially in our culture, we have engineered a society where we don't have to forgive people. It's very strange to me. And actually the idea of asking for forgiveness and then giving forgiveness is so foreign to us, we avoid it like the plague. Especially guys. Guys are the worst at this. If, you, if, if two guys get into a conflict and one hurts the other's feelings, it's, it's like one in a billion that that guy is going to go and say, hey man, you hurt my feelings. We talked about this at campus, Devo. Okay, not one in a billion. But let's say like one in like 300,000 a dude is going to go to another guy and be like, man, you really hurt my feelings. <laughs> and then it's like one in a million that the guy's going to be like, I'm so sorry. Do you forgive me? And if those two are met, it's going to be one in a million of the guy that's like, yes, I forgive you. Let's like hug it out, bro. <laughs> this is the way it usually works. No, man, I'm fine. We're good. We're fine. I'm good. We're, we're fine. And you just put enough distance between the hurt and you just get numb to it, but you never have to forgive each other. I feel like women are, are way better at that, but, you know, ladies, you, you probably do that too. And so these are the three things that make me feel like family. If, if I get to spend time with people, if we can communicate together, and, you, and when I mess up, you forgive me, then I feel like there's closeness there. So again, what are your things? What are the things that make you feel like family? And you've got to list those out. And I would even encourage you to share them with people. Like, man, these are the things that make me feel like family. But are you ready for the actual work of the family? Because this is not easy. I, I need us to learn how to ask for the thing that we need. I need these things. So let's just use my three. I need time with people, or I don't feel like I'm in a family. So what does that mean? I need to ask people to spend time with me. I need to ask them, like, hey, can we hang out? Or do you want to come over? Or, you know, I, I missed you. Can we spend time together? Or communication. Like, man, you know, I called or I texted and I didn't get a reply like that. You know, that hurt my feeling. Can you reply back to me? And then lastly, this is the hardest one, and I put it on here for a very specific reason. If forgiveness makes you feel like you're part of a family, you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to admit you messed up and go to someone and say, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? And that is, and then when someone asks you for the thing that they need, you have the opportunity to make them feel like family. And that is the work of the family. I know what I need. I'm going to ask for that. And when someone asks me for that, I'm going, to give the, I'm going to give it to them. That is the work of the family. And so, how are we doing? Going long, but we're going to, we're going to wrap this up. So here's, here's where I want to end it, okay? Church is family. 
Church is family, no matter what. It's family when it feels like family. It's family when it doesn't feel like family. It'll, it'll, it'll be family long after we're all dead. We are just trying to get back to the thing that God made as family. Um, hold on, I'm trying to pull something up on the fly real quick. Church is family. And if, if you're like, okay, I'm on board with that, sign me up, then the next part is that every family has dysfunction. And if you want, if you want the church family without the dysfunction, you are going to be sorely disappointed all the time. In fact, if you want church without dysfunction, if you want church with no mess, if you only want like the shiny happy people church, you're, you're probably not going to last long um, in, unless you can find a church where it's just the Sunday morning meeting because it's so darn hard. All right. I wrote something down and I want to share it. Don't make the idea of a perfect community an idol that keeps you from embracing the actual community God has given you. We're all a mess, and if we do it right, we'll be bringing in more and more messy people. The goal of church is not to be a place with no dysfunction. It's to be a place that handles dysfunction with the love of Jesus. And that's what I want us to be, guys. And then lastly, uh, church's family, every family has dysfunction, but if we want it to feel like family, we have to do the work of the family. And that involves understanding what you need, asking people for that thing, and then giving people the thing that they need when they ask you. And so, we could easily just kind of turn into the Sunday morning, Sunday morning meeting. Church is just going to be this, this room. And we'll, we can figure this out. We can learn how to sing better and do organized services better. But if this is it, what I'm promising you is that we're going to be grieving the Holy Spirit and making God very sad if we just turn church into this thing. So that is why the whole idea of this is we're trying to expand church and take it out of here. And so uh, with that, I have asked Lauren Edwards to pray for, or to do our communion and to pray for us. And so come on up.